What's up, people of the world? This is the host with most, Dylan, and today with me is... What's up? My name is Sam Shipe. I'm the host of Remixed and also your Batman aficionado for this podcast. You better sit down and plug in your headphone jack because this is Input 2. Okay, first off, I want to apologize. In my last podcast, I mistook Tom Hanks for Tom Cruise. <laughs> the, the Mummy remake movie was done with Tom Cruise in 2017. I haven't seen that movie in forever, so I apologize. I got Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise confused. <laughs> it was an honest mistake on my part, and I messed up while researching and then rewriting that thing totally. But today's topic is going to be about the newest Batman movie, which has been pushed back to 2022 with Robert Pattinson. But before we get on into that, we would like to give you a brief history of the Bat. Everyone loves Batman, and everyone knows the Batman comics and movies. Got anything to add about it, Sam? I mean... I think that's pretty accurate. If you don't like Batman, something's just wrong with you internally. I mean, Batman and Tony Stark are literally the normal average man with crazy cool gadgets to play with. I'm just so excited to get into this. So, Batman first made his debut in America back in May of 1939. It was the Detective Comic Series number 27 where the Bat first made his debut. Which is an interesting fun fact. I feel like that's interesting. He didn't really become his own comic for several issues of the Detective Comics. Um, ever since Batman has appeared in those comics, he's played a big role in lots of media. As we all know, Sam over there is wearing his Batman stuff. Yeah, I got my Batman belt on. I got my Joker wallet. All like... Purely coincidence, I didn't wear them for this podcast. They're just part of my daily attire. So, yeah. Batman was originally created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Did you know Batman's origin story didn't appear until the seventh appearance in the Detective Comics? Yeah, and then we never stopped hearing about it. Yeah. Now, this is this is why the Bat doesn't pick up a gun. The Detective Comics num- issue at number 32 Two, which appeared in October of 1939, had Batman using a gun, and DC thought that was um, a little bit too much for children, and they thought children would try and imitate that. So in issue number 33, we get the Batman's background story and a softening of the Bat, where he's not as brutal as he was originally. What, what, what do you have to say about that? I mean, I've never been a big fan of censorship in general. I mean, I understand, like, back then, no one know, no one knew what, like, comics or, to a greater extent, later on, video games, movies, etc., would, like, what that effect would be on people. So I understand being, like, tentative about it, um, but I've never been huge on censorship in any regard, really. Um, so, like, you know, Batman whipping out machine guns, which was, like, I think what he had in that issue or something like something to that extent. he had a um revolver with silver uh, bullets yeah right because he had to kill yeah okay, he was killing know. a vampire yeah yeah um and i don't think there's especially when it's something like that um obviously supernatural no kids are gonna go out and find a revolver and then go hunt vampires and then just shoot a random guy um at least we hope but you know i i prefer there's, there's a lot of different versions of Batman, which, of course, we're going to go over. But at the same time, I love the nitty-gritty type Batman. 
and you know softening him by you know removing the gun um, it's really interesting it's really cool to have a bat that doesn't kill but there's also a lot of versions of bat who does or is implied that he does so a little bit after that under a year after Batman's first appearance we get another softening of his character with the appearance of the boy wonder Robin it's our boy Dick Grayson he comes into the comics this is 1940s the first issue of the bat has come out now that he has got his debut in the detective comic series this is such a great thing but it's also a little bit it just shows the softer side of the bat like I, I, I did not know when Dick Grayson actually came into the scene in the 1940s. And I was like, oh, they introduced him in the 1940s? That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so, of course. When, yeah. When it comes to Dick Grayson, he's one of uh, a few, you know, children that Bruce Wayne kind of, I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but I'll say acquired. Because <laughs> um, sometimes it's adoption, sometimes it's literally his own son that he didn't know he had, um, which is Damian Wayne, like, way down the line. But the Robin that we all know most of is the Dick Grayson, who later becomes Nightwing. Um, he, you know, raised by circus people, family, tragically erased uh, in a way that Batman can kind of relate to. Um, and he just kind of sees this boy's potential, you know, with the acrobatics and the flying Graysons was his family's, like, name. So he's like, okay, this kid's, like, skilled in acrobatics. What if I taught him how to fight and put him in some tights? Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. We love Dick Grayson. And with the introduction of Dick Grayson, we get... Batman comic issue number one, which introduces some of the most important characters. I guess you could call Catwoman not a villain, but an anti-hero. She is introduced in the first comic issue, and we also get the clown, Prince of Crime, the Joker. Everyone loves the Joker. This leads into more villains, where we see the dynamic duo use interesting inventions to protect Gotham City. By the time 1943 rolled around, this duo broke into the silver screen, and it was so great. The first film, Batman, 1943, you see that up on the big picture screen, people were like, yes, this is the Bat! And then, later in 1949, we get the new adventures of Batman and Robin, which is before the era of the downfall of the Bat. The 1950s did not treat Batman very well. What do you, what do you feel about learning about this little, little bit of background info? I mean, I I understand why the bat kind of took a dip in popularity. I mean, they kept softening this dark this hero with such dark imagery and then they keep softening him over and over. Um, also around that time like the writers I don't know. I've read some of those comics, and I feel like the writers didn't know exactly what they wanted to do with him. Like, the first issue of The Joker, the Joker's supposed to be this one-off villain, right? The yeah. only reason... And he, he dies in his first appearance. The Joker is just slaughtered. They bring him back. And then they just like, oh, the fans like him? Let's bring him back. Let's, you know, let's make this a reoccurring thing where the Joker may or may not be dead. And it was just kind of... They're flying by the seat of their pants, very obviously. So it was, I think it was, that just made it hard for readers to kind of get you know, gripped by this, and also the original uh, silver screen 
adaptation uh, of the Batman left a lot to be designed. Yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that. The original silver screen wasn't as cool as what we have today. But of course, the 1950s, absolutely not kind to Batman. Mainly, their comics took a big hit in this era because of a psychiatrist called Frederick Wordham. He was the guy who decided Batman was the ideal homosexual man's dream. And he said that this could be influencing the children. It wasn't just the Batman comics, but this is literally why the Batman comics took took the big dip. Um, In response to that, DC softened the bat more giving us Batwoman and Ace the Bat-Hound. That's where those characters came from. The Bat family kind of spawned from the 1950s. And um, fans were not happy. Sam, Sam can totally agree with me on this. He was just like, true. True, 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 true. Um, I mean, Ace the Bat-Hound, he's really cool now. He was in a little spinoff with Crypto the Superdog. Um, you know, that's, you know, it, it's fun. It's not anything like great, but it's fun. Um, but you see this a lot with DC and a lot with comics. Um, they kind of revamp to pander. And that's, you know, every industry does that. It's not a big deal. Movies do that. Um, everyone does that. But the way it's done in comics is so drastic every single time. So um, the kind of inverse has actually happened more recently with DC, where, like, you know, back then, it's, you know, the, the problem is that he's this homosexual fantasy, right? Well, now the problem is there's no LGBTQA representation or there's no female representation. So now they're throwing those characters, like, all at once, um, yeah. So it, it turns off readers when you do it either way. So, of course, that happened back then with, you know, Batwoman, 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 who was horribly written back then. Um, you know, now we have a way better Batwoman. Yeah. Girl with Barbara Gordon, way better written, like, not just thrown in there because we want to make sure that people know Batman's not gay. Yeah. Barb is amazing. We We love Barbara Gordon. The 1960s were way better to Batman. Yeah, Sam's over here agreeing with me with some snaps. The 1960s, better for Batman. This had something to do with editor Julius Schwartz, who revived most of DC's classic comic heroes. He was tasked in 1964 with bringing back the Bat. Everyone knows this incarnation of Batman. It's where we get the oval with the yellow symbol, and we've got the black bat on the... It's just amazing. He was tasked with it, and with the help of artist Carmine Infianato, whose work on the flashback then helped usher in the new Silver Age. This updated our bat-themed hero to what we know today and what we have seen in the old Adam West show with Burt Ward as Robin. Um, Incidentally, that show aired on ABC January 12th, 1966. Everyone loved Adam West and Burt Ward in this TV show, even though it only had three seasons. And dwindling interest really killed the show off. 
I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna give props to those two actors, we can't forget Cesar Romano's Joker. Oh yeah, it is like you know everyone wants to talk about Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger's Joker. Good, they're they they're pretty props. great. They're amazing in their own right. But Cesar Romano was the first real Joker to hit the television screens, and it wasn't this nitty gritty. It wasn't you know this gangster. It was the clown prince, prince of, of crime. crime. He was hilarious. I, you know, you go back and you rewatch it, and you can't help but laugh at like pretty much everything the Joker does because it's just exaggerated fun. And while the Silver Age in the comics was wasn't exactly you know, haha, fun, pow, boom, you know, fake pistol this, etc., yeah. shark repellent that, you know, <laughs> that makes for great television. And then the comics at the same time were having this other line of like with this when you talk about the Silver Age, that's exactly when you picture the Flash, when you picture Superman, when you picture Batman, those pictures that you have in your head, that's Silver Age. Um, as far as comics go. So, like, that's really big as far as, like, you know, comic history. And then when you're talking about on-screen, um, Cesar Romero and Adam West playing that perfect, you know, duality back and forth throughout the whole series, it's incredible. And during that time, we did get a few um, episodes of animated shows where they had Batman come in, like Scooby-Doo. That was a classic Saturday morning cartoon. Everyone knows about the new Scooby-Doo movies. And they had a Batman episode crossover with Robin, and then you had the Joker. And they were voiced by those people, and it was such a great time. And this this era leads us into the more modern era of Batman, beginning in the 1980s with gritty, harsh realism taking our bat hero. Of course, 1989 is when Tim Burton and Michael Keaton hit the scene. Of course, they didn't want to give Tim Burton the Batman movie until they saw how well his Beetlejuice movie did. Of course, we all know what Beetlejuice is. A lot of a lot of kids today know what the old movies look like, I feel. Sam Sam agrees with me on this, right? Yeah. Um, Tim Burton, I mean, I don't care what anyone has to say. He's a powerhouse. I know there's a lot of people that think he's overrated, and they might be right, but I think that his Batman movies... Um, particularly the first one um, was honestly like I don't want to say a masterpiece because I don't I don't know it's it, I'm at a loss for words and I I'm never at a loss for words but when I'm talking about Tim Burton's Batman it perplexes me and it excites me all at the same time I just it, I just enjoy Batman films because I like the action and there's usually some nitty gritty dark and you've got then you've got the Joker sometimes. Oh, the Jack Nicholson Joker? Yes. If you don't get chills when he says, have you ever danced with the devil? Like, when he, when, like, the interaction of have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight gets said, you're not a human. Like, you're a robot, and I know. But his, his Joker, Jack Nicholson's Joker performance is the only one that I think really goes toe-to-toe with Heath Ledger's. You know, we can talk about Joaquin Phoenix, we can talk about Heath Ledger, um, but for some reason, everyone wants to forget about Jack Nicholson, and his performance was absolutely stunning, and we can't act like it's not. This brought the revitalization of Batman. Of course, it kind of died down a little bit. Um, Of course, we got the animated series in 92 to 95. Most kids my age have at least seen one episode of that, and the Joker in that was also very interesting. And you got to see him fighting crime and fighting the villains, of course. 
animated series were big with kids. Yeah. Um, one thing that's super interesting about Batman animated um, in more recent years is the voice of the Joker is more often than not Mark Hamill, who plays Luke in Star Wars, for anyone that didn't know. And his voice is bone-chilling. Um, like, the, the performance that he gives for that is absolutely insane. And then we go to 2005. This is the era of the bat again. There was, of course, Fever before that, but it died down before 2005. This is where we get Christian Bale as our Batman. Not Batman. And this also brings in Heath Ledger, who most fans agree is one of the best Jokers. Oh, I would, I think, like, I, obviously I'm big on the Joker. There's, like, Joker paintings in my bedroom, everything like that. So I'm, like, I've studied every single actor that's played the Joker, etc. I still, I believe that Heath Ledger's Joker is the best Joker Hands down, it's what one. It's what inspired me to get into acting. Inspired me to get into voice acting, voiceover, everything, and it's just so captivating, like that performance. I agree. A lot of the actors for the Batman animated series and for Batman itself have brought me into the world of voice acting, at least. I enjoy voice acting because you don't have to get up in front of people and then talk. You just have to be like, <laughs> Hello, Batman! Sure. Or you can, you know, bring it down to, like, you know, or you Ledger's can... more nitty-gritty kind of raspy almost voice where he kind of controls you with the dark tones yeah it's so great i love the fact that actors have brought it the actors who have portrayed their person so well have brought us into the age of they they inspire a new generation i feel like that is something we can all agree on now a little bit back on topic this is where we bring in Ben Affleck. Ugh, ben Affleck, the bat. Ugh, we we just... Uh, I did not like his um, Lego Batman movie. There are some other... That was ben, ben Affleck. He didn't do Lego Batman. Who did that Lego was, Batman? Um, oh my gosh, what's the guy's name? I don't know. Like such a jerk. Um, um, ben Affleck has been... Decent, but also not so decent as Batman, of course. Ben um, Affleck, I... Okay, my big issue with the Batman movies that Ben Affleck has been in have not been with Ben Affleck. I don't think he's the worst choice for Batman. I definitely didn't think he was a good choice. I was super skeptical as he was, as he was picked. But Batman versus Superman and the Justice League are both bad movies. I don't care what anyone says. They are not good. I can I kind of agree with that. I, I don't think it's Ben Affleck's fault. I don't think I don't think a lot of it can be attributed to the actors. I think a lot of that has to do with writing yeah. and direction. Because they try to shove so much into, into one little thing or they just I honestly feel like the writers might have just not even looked at a lot of the source material. I mean, you could literally span three or four or five movies with some of the stuff that you have. Oh, absolutely. For those. You're, so, your reference material goes all the way back to the 1940s. For you to just either ignore it or to just, like, try to cram a whole bunch in one thing, it's, to me, I almost view that as disrespectful to the source material. 
Um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the Batman vs. Superman movie. I thought it was just kind of trash. Um, Jesse Eisenberg had a great performance, but other than that, it was bland and, you know, just down to the writing was just kind of god-awful. But, you know, back to Lego Batman, that's actually Will Arnett. Um, oh. I don't know if you know who that is. I have no clue who Will I'm Arnett sure is. Picture you might recognize mm, him. Okay, that that I might I think I might recognize yeah, I him. I think you would recognize him if you saw him or you heard him. But yeah, I think I think that wasn't a bad performance at all. Um, I think it was very much like because Lego Batman wasn't supposed to be serious. It was just kind of supposed to be kind of lighthearted, and it was mostly jokes. Yeah, it was meant for a younger audience. Yeah, it than wasn't. It wasn't compared meant, to um, compared to the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, the Dark Knight know? trilogy was actually one of the ones I liked. Yeah, that was those were interesting. Those were masterfully crafted, especially the Dark Knight itself. And there's a reason that we call it the Dark Knight trilogy, even though the Dark Knight was the second movie in the trilogy. Yeah. You know, Batman Begins being the first, having my actual favorite villain, <clears throat> Scarecrow, wonderfully portrayed in and of itself. But, you know, there's a reason called the Dark Knight trilogy, and that's because I think the Dark Knight movie itself is a little bit better. crafted. I can agree with that. Okay, so we have pretty much pulled ourselves forward all the way. I did not cover all of the Batman history that I could have. I definitely glossed over a lot of information, but we are up to where we are today. Now we have Robert Pattinson, also known as Edward Collins. A lot of people did not want him to be portraying the bat. There were petitions to change him before he was even casted in the role. A lot of comic fans did not want Pattinson because Pattinson is known by us nerds as sparkly teen vampire boy. Yes, Esquire magazine says it's 2000. That was 2008, guys. It's time to let it go. I can agree with it. I hate Twilight. Twilight. I'm just not a fan of Twilight. But it's I think it might be time to let it go. What what do you feel like hearing Pattinson was cast as Batman? Initially, I was very, very skeptical. And I think, you know, that's valid given that what comes to mind when you think of Robert Pattinson is sparkly vampire dude. Um, or Cedric Diggory if you were a big Harry Potter That's what I'm nerd. saying. You know, he's he's been in more things. You know, he's not just Twilight guy. Like, yes, that's... The, it's not the biggest franchise he's been a He part was of. in The Lighthouse. That's an Amazon Prime movie. It's a psychological horror movie. Yeah. Um, his acting in that wasn't that bad. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's been placed in bad roles. I think, well, because, like, you know, when he played Cedric in the Harry Potter movies... Um, he got killed at the end of the movie. I mean, he got, he got killed, you know, sucks, oh well. Got um, the axe. Yeah. And then he went off to Twilight. Yeah. Um, and that did not do him any favors. Yeah, but I don't think any of his acting in the, like, before he died uh, in the Harry Potter movie was bad. I think he was I think he was portraying the character yeah. that he was presented as, um, which, you know, happened to be a dead guy later. But <laughs> I think there's potential even in his Twilight performance, and the reason that I say that is there was so much you know, hate for him just being like this dark, broody, you know, obviously teenager at the time. Yeah. But 
you know, it was like, why are you so moody, dude? Like, yeah, right. we were. But just then like, take that and turn it into Batman, who's been crafted as this more gritty, moody hero. Um, to he, some people's dismay and other people's celebration. He might do pretty well in this, I think. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, to also know his backstory of, like, having trouble with, like, body shaming, things like that, he's always struggled with self-image, and he's always, you know, been shy about, you know, taking his shirt off where people could see. And the first time I think we see him shirtless since Twilight was a picture that people started using as promo for Batman because we saw his, like, he just got, he got that superhero body. Yeah. You know? Um, and he's working on it. He's always had trouble with self-image, which I think a lot of people can identify with um, and almost give hope to anyone that actually, like, takes the time out to, like, I don't know, give him a chance, you know? And, like, look into it and be like, oh, this guy isn't some Hollywood pretty boy, right? You know? Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's gotten his heart broken. He's struggled with, you know, his own issues. Jeez. He's struggled with, you know, his own image um, ever since he's been famous. So to ignore that just because he was in this soppy teen mm. romance drama hormonal trash, um, which is honestly how I feel about the Twilight series because they're not good. I don't care what you say they're not yeah. good. Um, but it's not his fault, you know? Like, yeah. There's so many actors, like, like let's look at Matthew McConaughey. If you go back 10 years and you told anyone that Matthew McConaughey would win an Oscar, they might smack you. And that's valid. Because he was, like, he was just, like, the Hollywood pretty boy. You know, he had his cameo. Like, he had his side roles. And then he comes in and he just delivers awesome performance after awesome performance and it's like where did this come from it's like okay well that might have been him this whole time he was just getting cast as these other things because he never played his part horribly and that's another thing about Robert Pattinson if you look at Twilight he might have given the best performance in that series yeah and that, <laughs> that's not a high bar <laughs> at all but it, you know it's it goes to stand nonetheless that it was probably the best performance that they got out of it. Yeah. Continuing on with the movie, we know Pattinson will be playing Bruce Wayne. This movie is by Matt Reeves. I don't know how much he's going to go into it. And um, uh, we've covered the controversy of at Pattinson being cast as Batman petitions calling for change before he was even cast. Um, Getting on to the second controversy that came with the movie is kind of about a remark Pattinson made about Bruce Wayne and Batman. Bruce Wayne is a well-educated man with toys, not superpowers. He is more comparable to a Tony Stark than, say, Thor or the X-Men. This is what Pattinson sort of said. I'm paraphrasing here. Don't get outraged at Pattinson. This, of course, made DC fans kind of angry. It's it's the comparison to Marvel, too. Not, not, just, not just the comparison to being a plain character. Pattinson later retracted that comment, saying he wasn't really well-educated on the subject. I agree with Pattinson. Bruce Wayne is more of a Tony Stark character. He is well-educated and is a multi-millionaire and is kind of a playboy character. Um, Tony Tony kind of changed there at the end. He, he got better. Batman is kind of the same way, more decent. Although he's more decent in the beginning than... Oh, whatever. I, just going on. 
Just because Bruce Wayne is a Tony Stark character doesn't mean he's not a superhero. Although I think vigilante is the better fitting word for Batman. I think that's I think vigilante's pretty fitting um just because that's the main thing that gets Batman into trouble like yeah. all the time. You know, he's in trouble with the law because he's dealing out vigilante justice, calling him anything but a vigilante. Um, is incorrect. But also, um, I disagree with comparing him to Tony Stark for multiple reasons. They're similar in that they don't have superpowers, right? Yeah. Um, So then I ask, like, does not having a superpower make you not able to be a superhero? Because then, you know, you disqualify a lot more people than just Iron Man and Batman. Um, But that being said, Batman, calling Batman well-educated is a grave understatement. He has degree upon degree upon degree upon... And he went off and trained with Masters of Martial Arts, too. He he knows, like, literally every martial art. So Iron Man, yes, he's rich. He's got toys. Yes, he's well-educated. That is accurate for Iron Man. When we're talking about Batman, Batman could have an Iron Man suit. He has. Yeah, he's he's had an Iron suit. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants, pretty much. Because he's Batman. Like, that's like that's where the meme comes from. Because I'm Batman. It's because he can just kind of pull whatever he wants just out of nowhere. Because he either has learned about it because he's that well-educated. Because he has doctorate on doctorate on doctorate. Degree after degree after degree. He's studied, like, every martial art. He's, you know, there's literally a class. Uh, I forget which school teaches it. But it's the psychology of Batman that you can take in college for college credit. And it's just the psychology of Batman. And I think that's insane. So, I would say, if we're going to put Batman under any, like, if we're going to call him a hero, if we're going to call him a superhero, I think the best indicator for Batman overall is anti-hero. And I think he's one of the best written anti-heroes of all time. Yeah, he's, he, he's pretty decent. I agree with that. Batman is kind of an anti-hero. He doesn't work with the law, but he tries to dish, dish out justice as he sees fit. Now... Going on, Batman is such a remade movie, as we've seen. We've gone from 1940, and we've had quite a few Batman movies. Considering 1943 had Batman, and then 1989 had Batman, which was the one with Tim Burton, I think. Or unless I might be wrong. I mean, I I have my my dates might be mixed up. I yeah. That happened. This. There are constant new takes. This movie seems to be no difference. Matt Reeves is the guy behind the script. He has worked on two of the Planet of the Apes movies and some other movies. I I don't remember what exactly he worked on. I think there was War of the Planet of the Apes and then the uh, there was another one. I don't remember. I mean, I looked up these people and then I was like writing this. I can't wait to see how this movie turns out because while I was reading information for this movie, we are supposed to see Catwoman, the Riddler, Penguin, classic Batman villains coming back. The movie trailer was released at the DC Fandom, which is pretty much the Comic-Con for DC, and people enjoyed it. This movie's had quite a few setbacks. Like, all of us college students know, we're, we're having setbacks because of this COVID-19 stuff. The movie was originally intended to be released in June 2021, yet it has been set back a year to March 4th of 2022. Do, do you have any high hopes for this movie? 
I I'm I'm being skeptical. You know, I think that's I'm I'm a healthy skeptic when it comes to anything Batman or Joker related just because it it's when it's a story that you followed for a long time, you tend to not want to get hurt, especially when there's been movies that you've gotten like really hyped up for like, you know, Percy Jackson or something yeah. like that. Or, like, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. a big fan, you've been a big fan for years and then all of a sudden they're making a movie or a new movie. Um when it comes to Batman, and I honestly like, I think, I think Pattinson has the capacity to be better than Bale. Um, I can mostly, agree with that. Mostly because I think Christian Bale's Batman, there wasn't a lot of substance there. Like he was a great Bruce Wayne, but his Batman really didn't get a lot of dialogue. You know, yeah. and the dialogue that he had, it was this raspy oh, Batman voice. So it wasn't, it didn't lend itself easy to writing that dialogue. Yeah. So. Um, you know, that's that's on both sides there. So I think Pattinson has the capacity to be the best Batman that we've seen, actually. Um, you know, I like Keaton's Batman, bring back the bat nip, you know. Um, <laughs> the only bat suit to show off the nips. Um, we love that. Um, but then, you know, coming into it, I'm very... I don't know. I'm hopefully skeptic, and what I hope they don't do is retell me Batman's origin story for, for the fiftieth thousandth time. time. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because every Batman movie, even even the most recent Joker movie, yeah, they... which, the most recent Joker movie, that made sense. Yeah, for showing you know Batman's origin at the very at the tail end. Spoiler alert: if you haven't already seen it, also but but also if you haven't seen Walking Phoenix's Joker already, what are you doing with your life? It's been out for what two years now. He's like a, he was a pretty decent Joker, too. It was really good, and I can get into that in a second. But I just, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the pearls drop unless it's like a PTSD flashback or something, and I only see it for a second. I don't want to see a retelling of Batman's, you know, parents dying in that alley. Yeah. Spoiler alert to anyone that hasn't seen, seen anything a, related to Batman. If you have not seen a Batman movie with the backstory of the bat. What are you doing with life? Seen a Batman. What are you doing with life? You just haven't seen a Batman movie because they all have it. Yeah, they do. Um, So that's what I hope. I just I don't want to be retold his backstory the millionth time. Uh, I don't want it to be. At least I don't want to be emphasized. You know, Um, there's no Joker in the cast. I don't think, right? I don't think that there's a Joker. It's mostly centering on the Penguin. Yeah, this movie is supposed to be centering on that. Penguin. I think there's a like. Here's the thing that DC does right. You know, I'm a fan of both Marvel and DC. I think, at, so far, Marvel obviously wins when it comes to movies. That's undebatable. But when it comes to comics, and when it comes to certain types of characters, DC does villains better. And that's, I think, across the board. Their heroes might not be, but their villains... Batman, like The thing that it makes Batman villains so different from other superhero villains is because they're not super-powered. They don't just go off and... Oh, I came to this planet to take it over, rada rada. No, these are people. All of these people are possible. You know, whether it's because of mental illness, whether it's because of you know, exorbitant wealth, you know, um, corrupting them. I agree with you. This is the corruption of people. You see humans turning into these villains. Exactly, and that's why. And like, it's such a great thing. Yeah. It makes them relatable. Yeah, and like that's why uh, go back and watch Batman Begins again and focus on the character of Scarecrow. Um, you know, that's my favorite villain. You know, I wish he was in this Pattinson because <laughs> I, I love him. But I think the Penguin coming out 
and just showing off what he really can be as a villain. Because we saw Jim Carrey's Riddler, right? Excellent performance. I can't take that away from him. But at the same time, this Riddler, like a dark, gritty Riddler, where like the result of you like messing up could just be death or someone else's death, is so cool in my mind. And like I see it. I see it in my head. Um, but again, I have to have that healthy skepticism. Like, these are really cool characters. This is a really cool story. There's a lot of source material. Yeah. Use it. I really hope that Matt Reeves does this correctly. And this is such a great story to go with because the bat's been around forever and we've had so many retellings, of course. But it's the human characters becoming straight up evil. All the all humans have the potential for evil. And if it's greed or if it's mental illness corrupting them slowly and turning them into this villainous character, it just always makes for such an interesting movie. I'm thinking that these characters will do fantastically in the movie, but I've also got to be skeptical about it, too, because I'm just like, there have been some Batman movies with some characters that I have just not cared for. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Mr. Freeze here. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan of the Mr. Arnold Freeze. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like Arnold had done a, such a great job with Mr. Freeze, but... Uh, I'd say that that's a little bit cold. <laughs> Oh, dang. He's up here. He's up here getting me with the puns. I mean, that's literally what Mr. Freeze did that entire movie. So you can't be upset. Um, You know, but when you think about, uh, you know, Dr. Freeze and Poison Ivy, like, think about their motives, though. One of them wants to cool the planet. And one of them wants... warming, Warming, right? Yeah. And the other one wants to revitalize nature, of which we have decimated. So who's the real bad guy? Hmm? Technically, there it's are still them. Yeah, it's still them. The, it's still them, but they have good. Uh, m- their motives are. Their motives are good, but their methods are they're flawed. flawed. They're, yeah, <laughs> people are inherently flawed, and this is what I love about the Batman villains because sometimes they have great motives, and you're just like, yes, I can agree with that, but. Their methods just aren't what you should be doing to try and save the environment. Because that's literally what those two villains focus on. It's like, oh yeah, you know, global you know, global warming is a thing. Save the environment, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, again, you know, I want I want us to be more in tune with nature. I want us to like, you know, coexist with nature. But you know, I'd rather not have to become half a plant to do it, or you know, just die to do it. Um, and then there's you know characters like you know Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, who's very much like you know, you get what you deserve when you just like abandon mentally ill people and like you know leave them to fend for themselves, um, which I think DC has done in not necessarily the movies as of recently, except for maybe Joker, but the mental health awareness is super important. Like, I'll go to The Flash. Like, there's an animated bit that's been clipped multiple times in memes, but The Flash has this reoccurring character who, he's a villain, but he's also just mentally ill. And every time, you know, he sneaks out and he puts on this costume, um, and he doesn't even realize that he does it. And so, like, The Flash catches him in a bar, and Batman's with him. And he's just like, okay, Flash. Batman's just like... Are you gonna deal with that? And he's like, and Flash is like, yeah, I got this. 
uh, hey man. And he's like, oh, hey Flash. He's like, you know you're wearing the suit again, right? And he's like, oh, am I? Didn't even notice. He's like, all right, well, finish your drink and then go turn yourself back into the to the hospital. And he's like, you foiled me again, Flash. And it's like being gentle to people with mental illnesses is actually a thing in multiple representations of these characters. So I think that seeing that representation on the big screen would actually be a huge deal. Because that's also another reason it's revealed that Batman doesn't normally kill. Because a lot of his villains aren't just like they aren't all there. Evil people. They are either you know they're they unmedicated, they're unbalanced. Yes. They don't know better. That happens multiple times. And then there's people like the Joker, where we don't know what happened to him to make him the way that he is. Um, his origin, his origin story has been retold many times, and none of them have been confirmed as canon. And that's the way the creators like it. Um, so no one knows why he is the way that he is. Um, and he's he's a medical anomaly, you know. He's you know we don't know, but we know he's mentally ill to some capacity. Yeah. So, so is Harley Quinn. We can look at Harley Quinn. Yeah. That one is one. That, she was she's literally a ner- like she was literally the she, person assigned to help try to diagnose the Joker or to help. She was a psychiatrist. Joker. Yeah. And he manipulated her to the point where she fed into it. I mean. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome once you start thinking about it because she's in love with her captor, technically. Yeah, also, if you or your partner have matching Harley Quinn and the Joker anything, I want you to reevaluate your entire relationship because you are now idolizing an incredibly toxic relationship. And uh, so, yeah, rethink that real quick. Um, You know, it might be cute to match and, you know, his put in, you know, her problem, whatever. I don't care what it is. The, it's you're romanticizing it's, mental illness and toxic relationships. Yeah, we can. If we look at the Suicide Squad movie and the Birds of Prey movie, <laughs> yeah, they might not be the greatest movie. Okay, Birds of Prey was pretty good. Oh, Birds of Prey was decent. Yeah. I mean, I thought the animated movie. Oh, the, that, animated, the movie. animated movie was just oh god tier. Yes. However. The live action. Suicide Squad leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to writing. Yeah. A lot of potential on the talent side of that. You know, you have incredible actors that could have portrayed these characters absolutely perfectly had they been given the correct tools, i.e. a script. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I agree with that. The only reason I bring it up is because we can look at Harley Quinn and the Joker's relationship because that is mainly shown in the beginning of Suicide Squad. Yeah. And if we look at that, we do see how mental illness plays a big role in the Bat universe. Um, yeah, and, you know, just how absolutely toxic it is, you know, with... I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but just, like, you know, Harley giving up and having to, like... I don't know. Like, just keeps idolizing her put in. Yeah, it's just like... You know, it's... It's devastating when you take a step back and think about it. Um, You know, but at the same time, it's just... It's it's almost ingrained in, like, pop culture to, like, see matching Harley Quinn and Joker things. Or for girls to go and dress up like Harley Quinn, which, good for you. If you like cosplaying, whatever. But at the same time... You know, if you're doing it because you identify with the character, maybe think about it for a second. Yeah, you might need to might need to reevaluate there for a might little be bit. Missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, fans do keep hoping that this Batman movie will be an absolute thriller. 
wow, I even had it written down that I was going to be skeptical of what it can be. <laughs> Ooh, man, just knowing that, I'm great. <laughs> having most, having watched some of the Batman remakes and sequels, all follow the same formula since the TV series. Oh, Big Bad comes out to play, and sometimes the writing isn't so great, and you've got to fight and watch what it's really doing on screen, and sometimes you have to watch and try and catch nuances that are in the film to really understand what it's about. Hopefully, we'll see something new and exciting in the thriller set to release on March 4th, 2022. Um, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? We've still got uh, at least fifteen minutes. We could we could cover some oh. we could cover some more of the DC oh. universe if you want. I, oh, oh my god! Or we could cover it's such a can of worms. Um, but if we just want to stay on Batman, um, like just kind of what you said about like you know how we've seen the same thing washed, rinsed, and repeated. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly. Like I agree with. When you strip it down to its bare bones, yes, there's a big bad that comes out to play. Batman's got to beat him up. Batman's got to win, right? Yeah. Let's look at just the most recent trilogy. The Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. You can analyze each of those villains, each of the big bads, and really, except for in the third one, there's no big bad that has to be fought. And at least not in the traditional sense. Like, let's look at Scarecrow. He psychologically torments his victims. So if you don't know, more the point of Scarecrow is he was a psychiatrist who was assigned to um, deem whether or not people were uh, able to be considered guilty, or rather, sorry, whether they could be considered innocent by a uh, plea of insanity, right? Yeah. Because when you try to make an insanity plea, they have to actually see if you're insane. They have to do a psych yeah. eval. Yeah. So he was the one that would do the evaluations. Well, he has this fear gas. And so he would go in with these mob bosses who would pay him off to, you know, get them their innocent plea, right? And as long as they got their innocent plea, he got his money. So what he would actually do, because he also wanted to continue to be a psychiatrist and get that money because he'd get paid... Um, is he would release this fear gas and he would put on a mask and it essentially makes you see things like as if you're a terrified child. That's like the, the basic way of explaining what it does. And so you see his scarecrow mask and you're fixated on it. It is mentally tormenting. So his patients are actually being driven insane by him. So he walks out and he gets them their guilt, their, their innocent plea. He gets paid, but now that patient's actually insane. Insane. And he is fascinated just by the human psyche, by the human mind. And eventually this fear gas gets released throughout Throughout the the city. And now Batman's not only fighting the Scarecrow, he's fighting everyone that's terrified. He's fighting the police because they're against him. And he's fighting himself because Batman is horribly afraid of bats. We have the... There's there there's a literature term for this. I don't remember what the literature terms are. We have man versus man, and we have man versus self. And the Batman that Batman movie literally takes it to the extreme, where you see Batman fighting in his mind, and he's fighting everyone around him. Yeah, 
And I think it's it's it lends itself even more to just how how insane Bruce Wayne really is, like mentally. Um, not not insane in like the actual clinical term, but like just like I guess awesome would be a better word. I shouldn't use insane in that way. Um, but he fights himself. He fights basically everyone around him, both in his Batman life and in his personal. And life. he still finds a cure for the gas. Yeah, and he and there's still a win. Like he still comes out on top. Yeah. Scarecrow still gets put away. And you know, that's it. I don't know. That's... So saying there's some big bad that he just has to fight, yes, when you strip it down bare bones. That's yeah, sometimes. That's what any movie with any hero is going to be for the most part. But with Batman, there's so much more. And then you get into the Joker of the, in The Dark Knight. You know, he's facing off against this person who literally, as he says, just wants to watch the world burn. He doesn't care about right or wrong. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't he just, care... He just cares about putting people in that state. He just cares about chaos. Exactly. I am an agent of chaos. That's a great line. And there's so many great lines where you just kind of get to delve into the psyche of the Joker. And it's it's really a Joker movie with Batman around it. Um if you like if you think about it, but it's it's haunting. It's a haunting performance from Heath Ledger. Uh, rest in peace. I would have loved to see him in other things cuz he was an amazing actor. I can agree with career. that. Um, you know, gone far too soon. But, and a lot of people blame his performance as the Joker for, you know, his death. You know, they think that that's what drove him, you know, to to those places. Yeah. Which I don't think so. I think he was, you know, tortured beforehand by his own problems. Whether or not that did anything, I don't know. I can't say. I didn't know the guy. Um, never had the pleasure. But then, you know, then you get into The Dark Knight Rises, and that's where you get Bane. And this is very much man versus self, because Bane literally breaks Batman, both both mentally and very, very physically. physically. Yeah, like he just breaks his back over his knee, which is such a cool scene. But then he has to heal. You see Batman have to heal himself and overcome his own fears that we see in the first movie, and we yeah. actually see Scarecrow come back um, in the third movie. Most people didn't realize it though. He's the judge that like says whether or not people die in this new anarchistic Arkham, which is yeah. what happens because of Batman's absence. And you get to see what happens when, like, the heroes that you need vanish. Yeah. Because that's what Batman did. He vanishes, right? And even Commissioner Gordon, who's the only person on the police force by his side, is like, where'd you go? We need you. And then he's like, that's kind of funny because, like, no one likes the Batman. Yeah, no one likes the Batman. It's it's a thankless job. And, yeah. But Batman still does it. And yeah, there's so much in the DC universe that, you know, lends itself to a lot of representation that you don't see in media usually. And then the only issues that really occur is when other people try to tell DC what kind of representation they need. As we saw back in the 50s when Batman was like, oh, Batman can't be gay, so we got to change Batman up a lot, right? And then everyone loses interest. Everyone was just like, oof. Yeah. And then again, recently, when they start throwing, you know, characters in that just are gay because they're gay or are women because they're women, instead of moving into a new age of transition or of making new characters of their own series that aren't established as, you know, anything, um, 
which I get it. People want to see their representation, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that more than a lot of people know. Yeah. But trying to force it with people that you gotta slowly it. transition it in. Not even it, didn't, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that slow. It just can't be obvious, and it was yeah. obvious, and it turned a lot of people off. Even the people that were calling for this kind of representation were like, "Okay, but not like that." Yeah. Um, which you know that's that's gonna happen regardless whenever they try any new ideas. Um, you know, DC for a while, and especially in their movies, they started to turn every character dark and nitty gritty, like Aquaman, who, granted, I can be nitty gritty. I didn't feel like Aquaman was supposed to be dark and gritty. Yeah, but he was. The Jason Momoa uh, mm-hmm. Aquaman, which is a good movie. I don't think it's great. I think it's pretty good. It's a, it's a fun movie. For the most part. But at the same time, when people originally think of Aquaman, they think of, you know, the blonde dude who just, like, swims around and talks to fish, right? And yeah. It's like, well, you know, that always made me mad because I'd read Aquaman's comics, but, like, no, he's awesome. Like, he's so cool, you don't even know. Because um, he has, like, all these different powers, and he's actually, like, super helpful in the comics. But, like, in the shows, it's like, I'm going to talk to a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think Jason Momoa did a really good job of being Aquaman. Um, I think he's very talented, and I think he played the role just fine. I just think it's... I don't... I'm not a big fan of what Zack Snyder has tried to do in making these characters yeah. so dark um, for seemingly no reason. Like, in Batman versus Superman, like, yes, you had to find a reason for them to fight. But it and didn't yes, have you had to, to be find them, super dark. Yeah, and you had to find a, them a reason to reconcile and be friends, or at the very least, allies. But it was that, like, that whole movie was just so dark. Even Man of Steel. Man of Steel's not a bad movie until you get to the end. Because anyone that's not a Superman fan, it's a fine ending for. Anyone that's a Superman fan knows that that's not how Superman ends his movie. Superman does not operate like that. No. Superman doesn't... Like, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen Man of Steel, you're never going to see Man of Steel, so I don't even know why I'm caring about spoiling. But at the end of the movie, he snaps the neck of the big bad. And I have never once seen Superman kill in any. F- That's the thing. Film. Superman is a Boy Scout. Yeah, Captain Superman. A- he's like Captain America. Is like the Captain America of DC. Yes, except way stronger. Yeah, um, and he has he has like all the superpowers. Like if you put anyone up against Superman, they're gonna lose because of some BS that someone wrote in his comic 20, 30, 50 years ago. Um, that's just how Superman works, and that's accepted. That's fine. That's why I'm not a huge fan. But at the same time, you can't take that away from Superman. He is the he is the farm raised boy who has good morals, who's not gonna hurt anybody. You know, he's just a good boy. You know, he's. He's, he's the good Samaritan everyone wants. Yeah, he's the guy that you want as your hero because you know he's not going to just haul off and be evil. He's just um, not going to go on a rampage and start killing people. Exactly. He's not He's not dark like Batman. He's not nitty-gritty. He's not going to kill because... He's not going to kill in the same way that Batman doesn't kill. Batman doesn't kill because he doesn't want to lower himself to that level or he doesn't want to be like those people superman doesn't kill because it's wrong superman doesn't do bad things in the few instances where he does he's tortured by it you know he's not happy with himself and that's how a lot of times when people pretend to be superman the other characters figure out it's not superman because he cussed or something like that 
Yeah. Like something that little. Superman is a Boy Scout. Get over it, Zack Snyder. You can't just have him just like, and like, sir, sure, some people tried to argue with me and they're like, well, he was pushed to that level. He was pushed so hard that he just had to, he had to end it. He Because Zod was going to kill those people. It's like Superman could have flown upwards. He could have planted his head in the ground. He would have figured out something because Superman always does. That's Superman's thing. Yeah. So, that's my bit about Superman. <laughs> we're, we're running low on time here. So, we both hope that the Batman movie will be amazing. We think Pattinson will do a decent job, hopefully. We have hopes, but we got to be skeptical about how the movie is going to be because sometimes writers don't always stick as close to the source material as we would like. But this has been... Dylan, your host with the most, and Sam Shape. We wish you a great day and come back next time to plug into Input 2.